Welcome to the Global Health Insights Podcast, where personal stories make an impact globally. Together, we'll discover the human story behind our global health heroes and their international partners. We're here to understand their motivation and discuss the future of global health. I'm Dr. Sharon Chikijan, Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine at Yale, and it's my pleasure to have you join us. Hello, and welcome to Global Health Insights. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Chikijan. It's truly an honor to join you today as we explore the world of global health. Before I tell you about the podcast, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm an emergency medicine physician with a passion for talking to people and a passion for global health, and I've had the privilege of working with incredible individuals here at Yale and around the world. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce you to our podcast, Global Health Insights, where we're going to explore and uncover the personal stories and insights of influential global health stakeholders at Yale and also their partners worldwide. Now, you might be wondering why we've chosen to focus on Yale faculty. Well, Yale is a hub of innovation, knowledge, and dedication to making a positive impact on the world. The individuals we'll be talking to are not just experts— they're passionate advocates for change, bringing a wealth of experience and a unique perspective to the global health landscape. Our mission is simple but profound to bring you closer to the personal side of global health and why clinicians and researchers do the work that they do. We'll provide a platform for the voices shaping the landscape of healthcare on a global scale. And each episode will unravel their personal journeys, the moments that ignited their interest in global health, the challenges they faced, and the triumphs that keep them moving forward. It's a chance for us to see beyond the titles and credentials to understand the human side of why we all choose to do what we do. Our episodes will be released regularly, and you can find us on several platforms. Global health affects us all. It's not just a collection of statistics. It's about real people, real stories, and real change, and moving towards our ideal of making an impact and working with others to make an impact, no matter where they are. I'll be sharing my experiences, but more importantly, we'll be sitting down with key figures in global health and their partners. I want to encourage you all to connect with us on social media and subscribe to the Yale Institute for Global Health's newsletters, Global Health Updates, for the latest insights. Sites. Think about the interconnectedness of our world and how the decisions made in one corner ripple across borders. That's the essence of global health, and that's what we're here to explore together. Today's episode is particularly special to me. Not only is it our first episode, but we're going to be talking to Dr. Svetlana Haratunian, a collaborator that I've known for some months now and really a valued partner making a difference in Armenia. Svetlana's story is really a testament to the global nature of health challenges and the power of collaboration and overcoming them, or at least maybe not feeling so alone. And I think that's the most important part of the work we've been able to do together, Svetlana. I wanted to just give a little background about how I got to know you and also where you were located when I did get to know you. When I started the residency program, we were looking for a doctor on the ground in Artsakh. And for our listeners that don't know where Artsakh is, Artsakh is actually an enclave of indigenous Armenians that were living within the internationally recognized borders of Azerbaijan, but in an area that's always been autonomously Armenian. And Svetlana, you were working as a doctor in that area. And when I asked for a recommendation for somebody to join our residency program, your name came up several times. And I was wondering if you could tell us how you decided to do emergency medicine. You're a rheumatologist by training from what I understand. Hi, Sharon. Uh, as you say, I'm from Artsakh, and I can say that in Artsakh, uh, for me, I'm a rheumatologist. The first uh, specialization is rheumatologist. But you know, in Armenia, uh, especially in Artsakh, when I used to live, I can say that uh, the zone is uh, so uh, tra- tragedy, uh, lost of uh, 
army, loss of uh, ground, loss of our historical uh, land. I can say that I saw so many um, losts in Artsakh and uh, every time when we have tragedy, tragedy, I uh, every time I was thinking about maybe I will choose the, another specialization for helping our uh, people. Interesting. So you you had this specialty. You spent time. How many years did you train to become a, a rheumatologist? Two years. Two years. And so then you said no. I need to do something different. I need to help the people of Artsakh. Yeah. And for the people that don't know what happened in Artsakh, can you talk a little bit about the political situation there, about the the crisis that has happened and the conflict uh, that we've seen over the last 20, 30 years? I can say that the historical part of uh, Romania is Artsakh, um, but uh, as you say that Artsakh is the part of Azerbaijan and it's ethnically Armenians. Uh, Azerbaijani every time they are uh, deprived our uh, rules for living, for doing something, and uh, every time we are uh, living with them. Um, side to side, but we had board and we had uh, army. Uh, they are shooting, they are uh, killed us, but uh, never we uh, lost our uh, belief and our hope that we are in our land and we need to live here because it's our. But you know, uh, as we are, uh, we uh, we. A few we are few and uh, the rules and uh, um, rules for uh, war every time uh, being crucial and uh, I saw in September 19 the uh, definitely war they are shooting shelled us and uh, we saw so many uh, casualties and injured people. When we have uh, MCI mass incidents uh, and we don't have enough resources to uh, to help them, um, I I was thinking about maybe I will be uh, the IT uh, ICU department doctor or another doctor for emergency doctor. Then. Uh, we start about uh, our residency. Uh, for me, it's uh, it was new because I uh, I don't I didn't uh, heard about emergency residence in Armenia. I can say that emergency department and emergency room it's uh, uh, not very um, appreciated. So, um, but I can say that uh, when we have a uh, situation when emergency doctor has uh, skills skills for doing everything for stabilizing patient it's uh, it's uh, for for hospital and emergency department huge work it is huge work and so i just want to back up and and tell our listeners just about the conflict um, so in artsakh in the early 1990s we had what we called the first Karabakh War. Um, and Artsakh uh, went from being what was called an autonomous oblast in the Soviet Union. Uh, the conflict actually happened towards the end of the Soviet Union uh, and the dissolution. Uh, and then Artsakhsis won their freedom and they lived relatively peacefully because we had a, quite a large buffer zone until 2020. 
there were some skirmishes. Um, I think we always sort of lived under the fear that uh, there would be another attack. But in 2020, uh, the attack was pretty vicious uh, with the loss of about 6,000, uh, it's estimated, lives uh, on the Armenian side uh, and, you know, on the Azeri side, since there's not much freedom uh, to to actually speak out. We really don't ha- know how many losses there were, uh, but huge losses, especially for a population uh, that's a post-genocidal population, you know, trying to regain uh, their population, trying to uh, trying to survive. Um, in 2020, uh, as I said, you know, we suffered immeasurable losses and loss of land as well. Um, during that time, uh, you worked as a doctor, and then you decided to transition into emergency medicine, um, and then. You know, we had something that happened that I think is really particular um, and and really hasn't been described uh, around the world. Um, we had a blockade that lasted almost 300 days. Were you working in the emergency department during that time of the blockade? Yeah, yeah. At that time, during blockade, I can say definitely that the resources of medical supplies and uh, they are... Uh, we don't have we didn't have enough uh, resources for medical uh, medical equipment analysis diagnostic uh, drugs uh, and every time when we um, when we had the critical situation the emergency department were uh, was uh, I can say overdosed because over gained uh, with patients because uh, when we don't have enough supplies or we don't have pharmacies with medicine with drugs, the whole uh, situation and uh, bird is under emergency department. Yeah, so you really faced critical shortages of everything you needed to do yeah. uh, and everything that you needed as a doctor. Uh, and from what I understand, patients couldn't even access emergency care because there was no gasoline for the ambulances to run. Is that right? Yeah. What were those days like? Did you feel Did you feel alone in the hospital during that time, or did it bring you closer together? We were collaborating with um, our special uh, specialists. Uh, I can say that we were alone just in in huge world i can say but but in our talk we we were together and we are thinking that the huge problem and the huge uh, message it was uh, to uh, to be in our talk we were thinking that it was true and maybe we should show that we are armenians and we uh, can't live without our talk without our land you couldn't give up yeah. I know it's hard to talk about, and I almost feel bad to ask you about it, but you were there on September 19th. So after almost 300 days of blockade, the people of Artsakh were attacked by Azerbaijan. The border was finally opened, the border with Armenia proper. What happened during that time? What did you see? How did people end up giving up? No, I can say that, um, especially when I saw the casualties and injured people, but they were never give up. After that, we are thinking that uh, uh, we were thinking that they are uh, they were negotiations, and uh, uh, we have a, 
a little time for thinking about our future, for planning our future, and unfortunately, on September 25, it was explosion. What what happened with that explosion? Is this the explosion in the the petrol station? Yeah, yeah. So you had joined our residency. And unlike the other participants in Armenia, you were unable to participate in person. So you joined us virtually. And you were able to do something called mass casualty incident training during that time. And on the 25th of September, you actually had the unfortunate opportunity to put that learning into action. Can you tell us what that was like? You know, in the United States and especially in Armenia, there are um, many differences between emergency uh, departments. We had many casualties, but we never uh, imagined we we can't we couldn't imagine that um, many casualties it will it would be uh, around uh, three thousand people in our hospital at that time we had one hundred twenty casualties and injured people from war from uh, September nineteen after that emergency room emergency department was over bedrooms for for patients for uh, casualties were gone and they were crying they they are asking for uh, help they were in critical pain 300 people i can say that during the short time they were in emergency department at that time we were about uh, 35 people 35 staff, doctors, uh, nurses, um, and uh, the stabilizing situation was crucial. Uh, I was thinking that, as you asked, the the MCI courses that we studied, uh, unfortunately, I was on the line. I I couldn't uh, participate for person to person, so I was on the line and I learned from internet and from your courses. It was so huge help for me for thinking that I I could uh, triage them. We had f- four floors in a ho- in the hospital, and the emergency uh, department was overloaded, and we thinking about them to uh, put them on the second floor or third floor for places for another patient. But one doctor or one nurse, we had 10 or 15 patients. Triaging them, after that, we had to do primary survey ABCD for their uh, inhaled airways because they were inhaled a huge amount of carbon and um, they were need intubation, immediately intubation, because we didn't have at that time uh, a huge medical equipment or another uh, another tubes, for example, we didn't have at that time to intubation tube or laryngeal mask. It was stressful, it was risky. Hope, the thought that they are safe from war, but we had a huge catastrophe tragedy. And that tragedy was really made worse by the blockade and the depletion of your ability to respond. So I think what you described is the perfect way to describe, you know, the when you don't have disaster preparedness, when you yeah, don't have yeah. resilience. Even painkillers pain and morphine or opioids, opioid, we didn't have at that time. 
completely depleted at that time. Yeah. So Svetlana, I know, and you know, our listeners don't know this, um, the group of doctors and nurses that you talked about were the last people to actually leave Artsakh. So there was a mass exodus uh, centered around the 25th of September when the border was opened, uh, when the people of Artsakh realized uh, that the Azeri military was now encircling Stepanagert and that they were in grave danger uh, of, of perishing. Uh, everybody decided to leave just with the clothes on their back. In fact, I think the Minister of Health left with only the clothes on his back, uh, from what I heard, not even time to pack. Uh, but the doctors and nurses stayed at the hospital uh, and basically closed down the hospital. Could you talk about that time? Uh, you know that, uh, as I said, that in the hospital, we uh, at the hospital we had uh, before September 25, 120 casualties from war and uh, about 300 people burned and you know we are thinking about our lives but maybe uh, we are thinking that they need to leave they they are people and when you you're a doctor and you're a physician you think about their lives Maybe they are lives. I I I thought that I uh, I should uh, at at I should uh, sure that they are safe. After that, I will leave. So you prioritized your patients over yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Were you there when the keys were handed over to the Russians? I know that the the. Doctors stayed until the last. They were really the last people to leave Stepanagert and to leave Artsakh. Um, and you took a picture, I think, as a group um, yeah. in front of the hospital and at the helicopter pad. What was the feeling when you had to lock up the hospital? The last patient was gone. I'm emotional, I, I can't say. When we are leaving, I was thinking that it's a, a little trip. Maybe we are going to... Um, to Romania to stay them, and after short uh, time, we will back. Yeah, it's hard to talk about. So, if you had the opportunity, you would go back. Yeah. Even after everything you suffered. Yeah, exactly. Let me ask you um, just about our collaboration and your participation. Um, just for the listeners to hear, what did the that collaboration mean to you? Did it make you feel any less alone during this time? I can say that it was a huge uh, opportunity to be part of emergency uh, residency. You know, you couldn't imagine that the few lessons uh, I used in my practical work. Unfortunately, it it was tragedy but I I I could say that I I would say I would like to say that the lessons um, and the experience that that I had it it was great for the future but I can say that uh, I I would say that in the future I'm not wishing people 
patients and uh, doctors stuff to uh, to had the, that experience that we had maybe for a doctor it was great experience and uh, improving their skills or improve their skills but for people for person for um, women and i can say that it wasn't good you want to be prepared but you don't want to ever have to use your <laughs> your yes. skills again in that way i can understand yes. that i can understand that and i know during that time you know your residency classmates uh, we have 12 people in the program. Uh, we were all waiting for news from you, all thinking of you. Um, and I know those connections have uh, have helped you. You've landed in Armenia now uh, on the other side of this. Um, and you've kept on going. How do you find the strength to keep on going, to find a new job, uh, to continue doing emergency training like you're doing in at-risk border regions? Uh, what motivates you to do that? I want that everyone in uh, in in general uh, especially in uh, medical medical staff or medical staff I I, I want to you know, share my experience with them and uh, the skills that I had and um, I'm learning in the future uh, I want to share with them because uh, in Armenia we are living the uh, that uh, the, the country in the country when um, maybe in the future we had uh, we have war or tech, we are in tectonical zone uh, we had uh, we we will have or maybe not have tragedy but everyone in medical uh, life in medical experience uh, should have these skills and uh, this experience because we we need to be ready and prepared for the another tragedy maybe Svetlana Harjunian, thank you so much. I know this is hard to talk about, and I really wanted to say thank you for taking the time to join us and to share a little bit about your experience and how this collaboration, how the training maybe changed your perspective. I look forward to working with you and to speaking with you again in the future. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. To stay updated on the latest, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you enjoy what you hear, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. Your support means the world to us.